our Old Testament lesson this morning. As you might have guessed by this point in the service, is Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, which can be found on page 441 in our Pew Bibles, or 859 of the large print Pew Bibles, or Psalm 23 in any Bible. And this is, uh, it says at the very beginning, Psalm 23, a psalm of David. This is one written by David, who you might remember uh, as King David, but that was later in his life. You might remember him as David and Goliath, but you remember that even before that, he was David the shepherd boy, right, who was chosen by God um, to be the king over his people. And David, knowing what it's like to be a shepherd, wrote about his relationship with God. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made and for all that you have given to us. God, we ask that uh, this morning, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, that we would come to know you better, that we would come to love you more, that we would come to trust you more and more in everything that we face. Knowing that you... um, You know us better than we know ourselves. You want our good better than, even more than we want it for ourselves. I pray that uh, we would help to trust that you know what is best for us better than we know it ourselves. And so to follow you trustingly in everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. Who says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Turning then to our New Testament lesson. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll pick up the end of verse 2 and go through verse 16, and that is, uh, can be found on page 962 in your pew Bibles, or 1848 of the large print. First Timothy, chapter 6, uh, starting into verse 2. These are things you are to teach and insist on. This, by the way, pause for a second. This, by the way, is Paul writing to Timothy, who is the young pastor of the church of Ephesus, where Paul had been before, and writing to him, this young pastor. Here is some kind of fatherly advice he gives him. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to teach godly teaching, they are conceited 
and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and the only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Quick check. This morning... I am going to be talking about something that most of you know much better than me. I'm going to be talking about shepherding and sheep and working with livestock, which is something that a lot of you do on a very regular basis. And uh, so you just have to pardon my ignorance in, uh, in some of these areas. But hopefully, as you go from this morning back into, uh, into those aspects of your daily life, you'll approach them with a deeper um, sense of meaning and purpose and understanding of how it is that God works with his people. We already read Psalm 23 as David, who had been a shepherd, who knew what it was like to care and tend for sheep, looks at his relationship with God and says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who does for me the things that I do for my sheep, the ways that I lead them and guide them to green pastures and still waters where they can eat and where they can drink, one who guides them along the right paths where they can walk in safety and without stumbling, the one who protects them so even as they walk through the darkest valley, they don't have to be afraid because they know that the shepherd is right there with them to guide them, to protect them, to lead them, to provide everything they need for them. All they need to do is stick close to the shepherd And the rest is taken care of because the shepherd is taking care of them. Well, next week, we're actually going to talk about Jesus saying that he is the good shepherd who does those kind of things for us. But before we get there, we're going to look at something he says just before that. We've been looking in the last several weeks of uh, things that Jesus says about himself himself. 
to let us know who he is and how he is not just another teacher that has come along. That he's not just like everybody else that has come before. That there's something about Jesus that's different. And instead of us making up what those differences are, we look to him and we say, who are you? (laughs) And he says, this is who I am. And we saw that he said, I am the resurrection and the life. We saw that on Easter Sunday. Appropriately, we saw after that that he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the true vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we saw that he said that he is, he said, I am the bread of life. It's only in him that we get what we really need to sustain us for real life. And we saw last week that he said, I am the light of the world. And he is the one who lets us know what things are real and true, despite all of the shadows and smoke and mirrors that we face every day. He is the light of the world. And this week, before we get to him talking about the Good Shepherd, which we'll see next week in the final week of this series, um, this week he says something very similar and very close. And so it's a little, it's a little difficult to separate it out. Normally this is, kind of goes together, but there are two separate things he says here. And so we're going to take them one at a time. And the first is um, that he is the gate. And we're going to figure out what in the world he's talking about here. This is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And this will help us know not only, again, who Jesus is, what's special about him, but also has a lot to do with who we are and how we relate to and can approach God and why we'd want to. Here we go. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's where we're going to stop this week. There's a lot in there of who Jesus is and what that has to do with us. Excuse me. And the first thing I want you to notice about this passage is not only who is speaking, but who is... uh, Sit up nicely, please. Thank you. But who he's speaking to. A lot of times when we're reading in a passage... We have to sort of ask that question going in. Okay, who's talking? Who is this saying this? Who, who are they talking to? And sometimes it's not that easy to tell. But right here, we know it's Jesus talking, especially if you have a Bible with red letters. That makes it easy. Um, but 
We know that it's Jesus talking, and he starts out by saying, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. He's talking to a specific group of people here. He's talking to the group of the Pharisees. And these are people who were doing their, their very best to make sure that they knew the Old Testament well so that they could find all the rules that were in there and they could make sure that not only were they following all the rules that were in the Old Testament, they were making sure other people were following these rules. They were very rules conscious as a way of making sure that they were holy before God. And these are the people that Jesus had some of the strongest words against. And right here he tells them, Very truly I tell you Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. What a great image. Isn't that one that we can just immediately get a sense of? That he says, the, it's, the one who, it's the one who goes through the gate, obviously, is the shepherd. He's the one who uh, has rightful access to these sheep. And anybody who has the rightful access is going to go through the gate. That's the easy way through. That's the way that they're supposed to go. The reason the sheep are in the pen is to protect them from outside dangers. But a thief isn't going to go through the gate. A thief is going to be trying to climb in, kind of trying to sneak in, kind of at night when nobody's watching, come in over the, over the, over the pen, the edge, the wall there, <laughs> some other way. And Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, God is the shepherd. This is where, you know, we look at Psalm 23. And they would have known this. They knew that psalm. Everybody knows that psalm. They knew the Lord is my shepherd. When he says, this is the image I'm telling you, they immediately go back to Psalm 23, and they're thinking about that. And he says, now listen. God is the shepherd. And he comes for his people, and he comes through the gate. And he leads them through the gate. But he's not the only one coming for the sheep. There are others that come for the sheep too. And you know how you can tell the difference? One of the ways you can tell the difference is by where they're coming from and where they're leading you. And if they're coming through the gate, and if they're leading through the gate, then you know that that's, that's God. That's who you should be following. And if they're coming over the, some other way, then you say, well, wait a second. Why would the rightful owner be coming over the, over the fence? Why would he be trying to haul us out from the backside? No, no, no. That's not the way this works. Jesus says, yeah, that's the thief. You don't go there. But the rightful owner, the shepherd, will actually come through the gate. And he will come through the gate, and he will call to his sheep. And I love this part. It says he calls them by name. Did you hear that? He calls his own sheep by name. This is another wonderful image. I mean, there's, it's one thing to have a shepherd standing there calling to his sheep by name which is kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's cute. <laughs> but when you understand what Jesus is talking about, it becomes so much more than cute. <laughs> this becomes powerful when you understand that the God of the universe does not say, eh, some of these people over here, I guess I'll take some of those. It's not like that. It's not that God is some distant and removed God and that somehow, some way, he just sort of has this you know, lottery system going and he's like, Number seven nine two three eight. Come on over. I guess you're you're in. No. But there's a personal relationship that we can have with the God of the universe. Who, in fact, read Psalm one thirty nine. That's your homework. Our Creator knows us 
before, before even our parents know our names. That he knows us inside and out, personally, intimately. It's not a distant and removed God. Yes, he's powerful. Yes, he's so much farther removed from anyone else ever. More bigger and stronger and more powerful and more amazing than we can even imagine. But he comes close and he knows us well and he knows us by name and he calls us by name. And one reason I want you to keep that in mind is because sometimes we do get this idea that God is, yeah, he's big and he's great and he's amazing, but he would never care about my little problems. He would never care about what I'm going through. In fact, he's got more important things to be dealing with, you know, the whole running the universe thing. So I'm not going to bother him by coming to him in prayer. And I think this happens. People think this way, and it's understandable, and it it really is. Um, But we don't get that from God. We don't get that idea from God. We get it from each other. Because we can't be everywhere at once, and we can't do everything. And so what we find is we get in relationships with each other, and you go to somebody, and you say, Hey, can you help me with this? And they say, Love to, can't do it. I got too much else going on. And that keeps happening and you start going, you know what? I think they do have a lot going on and I think maybe they're they're just too busy for me and so I'm just going to quit asking. And so that's and that's understandable because we can't be everywhere at once and we can't do everything. And so we learn from each other and then we sort of expand that idea out and think, well that must be true of God too. If that's how we are, that must be what God is like, but God is not like us. He can be everywhere at once. And he can do more than we can ask or imagine, as Paul says. And so, we can come to him with everything. And we can come to him with any kind of request. Jesus says, you know, if you as a parent, even though we're so far from perfect, Jesus says, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, will not your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And the implied answer is, of course he will. Of course he will. And of course we want what is best for our children and we will grant the request according to what we know would be best for them. But so often we have no idea. But God knows what's really best. And sometimes we will ask him for something and he won't give it to us. And we'll say, that's because he doesn't love me. That's because he doesn't care. That's because we're acting like teenagers. (laughs) Teenager says, give me the fastest sports car. You say, absolutely not. <laughs> you have not yet learned to parallel park. There's no way you're getting that thing. Oh, you don't love me. I do love you. That is why there's no way I'm going to give you that. Sometimes we have that same attitude. God doesn't care because he doesn't give me everything I ask for. I guarantee if he gave us everything we asked for, that would be a better sign that he didn't care. <laughs> Sometimes we should thank him for not giving us what we want, but knowing us better than we know ourselves and giving us what we need. Okay. God is the shepherd. He knows us by name. He knows us personally, intimately. 
And then Jesus tells us, we've been talking about the God as the shepherd coming through the gate and leading people, or leading the sheep through the gate, right? And then Jesus comes in with this, this next statement of who he is, and he says, I am the gate. Which is a weird statement on the surface of it. When Jesus says, I am the gate, and we say, how does that make sense? How does he hinges, is that sort of thing? No. But what he's saying is, I am the only legitimate way that God has come to his people and that the people go to the Father. That the shepherd comes to the sheep through the gate and the sheep go to follow the shepherd through the gate. And Jesus says, I am the gate. In fact, this is where we see again that idea that God, that Jesus is something different. He's something not like everybody else who's come before In fact, Jesus says here, all those who have come before are thieves and robbers. Which, to be honest, when I first read that, kind of bothered me a little bit. I mean, is Jesus discounting every bit of history that's happened to that point? Every human that's ever lived is a thief and a robber? Every prophet that God has sent is a thief and a robber? Is that what he's saying? But no, that's not what he's saying. That can't be what he's saying. Jesus is constantly pointing to those same prophets and saying, look, They were right because they pointed to me. And they were saying, and if you read them and you actually understand what they were talking about, they're saying that God is going to send me. And here I am. And here's what I'm going to do. And what he says here, when he says all those who come before are thieves and robbers, it's not that all the prophets were thieves and robbers. It's all those who had claimed to be the Messiah, who had claimed to offer a way to life apart from Jesus were thieves and robbers. These are the ones coming in by some other way. But you notice he says that they didn't, that the sheep didn't listen to them. Why didn't the sheep listen to them? Because he said the sheep know their shepherd. <laughs> they know better. There you go. They know better. It's because they know the shepherd's voice. They don't recognize the voice of a stranger, so they're not going to follow him. They're going to run away from him. And so the question we have to ask is, do we know the shepherd's voice? Do we recognize the shepherd's voice? Do you know that um, baby Jameson over here already knows Courtney's voice? I know he does. I'm reading studies about this this week, <laughs> that even by the time a baby is born, um, if they go full term, 83% of babies, by the time they're born, already know their mother's voice. Already. And they can pick out, at birth, differences between their native language and any foreign language. At birth. They have not yet learned to speak, but they've learned to listen. Do we know how to listen as children who have been born of God? Do we know the voice of our Heavenly Father? Do we recognize His voice in distinction to all the other voices of the world? Because there are so many other voices. And there are so many that are just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden saying, did God really say? I mean, I know that you're thinking, oh, don't eat from that, don't eat from that tree. But come on, doesn't it look good? It's, it's, it's going to be good. You're going to eat the fruit, and you're going to like it. It's going to be delicious. And you know what? 
really the reason God doesn't want you to have it is because he doesn't love you. He doesn't want you to have these good things that come from this tree. He doesn't want you to be like him. And so the people started doubting God and listening to some other voice. And we've all been doing it ever since. But what Jesus is saying is don't listen to those voices. If they are promising life from some other source, if they're going, say, go over the fence, go over the wall, it's fine. We'll just go out for a little bit. And this is like, I'm going to hit the last verse here, and we'll, then we'll go to the illustration. The last verse of the whole thing. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, these sheep will be taken care of. They're in the pen. That's where they're supposed to be for safety and security, uh, protection from the outside dangers, and they will be led in and out so they can actually go and have food. They can get what they need everywhere they are. As long as they are following the shepherd, they're in good hands, and they're being taken care of. And here's the reason why, and here's the big distinction. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And it really comes down to the question of, do we trust that? Do we believe that? That what God wants for us is the real life, the best life. Does that what we really believe? Or do we believe the voices of the world that say, no, 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 God is trying to keep the best things of life away from you. He doesn't want you to have the good life. But the good life is over here. Come on. So here's the illustration. When I was a kid, maybe you had childhoods like this, or maybe you're parents like this who told this to your children, I was told often that as a child, if an adult approaches you, some windowless van, and says, hey, you want some candy? Come on. <laughs> this is an extreme version, but this, was, this is what I was told. They say, come on, come get the candy. It's, it's, it's in my van. Why don't you come on in? You are to go away from that person <laughs> and quickly and go tell a grown-up you trust. Now, as a child, I didn't understand what, it was, what the big deal was about. I wasn't told what the danger was. It was just, that's what you stay away from. Now, do you trust the parent? Or do you say, but I really like candy. <laughs> I do really like candy. <laughs> but no, in a situation like that, you have to trust your parents know what is best for you. And they're not saying that to keep you away from the promise that's being offered of this candy and this you know, fun ride and a cool van. Because they know that the promises are lies. And that the person who is saying these things to you wants nothing for your good. They only want to steal and destroy and kill. And the same thing is true with all of the other promises of the world. And that is where Jesus says, I am the gate. And any of these other voices that are coming from some other way, some, something besides going through the gate, if anything else promise you, promises you life, ah, come over the wall with me. You can have the good things over here. And you don't need to deal with Jesus. And you don't need to go to God. But we'll have life and we'll have fun. We'll have good things. And he says, don't believe it for a minute. Because your heavenly father knows you best and he knows what's good for you and he loves you so much that Jesus came to die for you. We'll talk about that more next week. But he said all these other voices that promise life are lies that are there to steal your joy, to kill 
your purpose in life. To destroy who you were made to be. And destroy your relationship with your Father. Jesus says, run away from those voices. Learn to recognize the difference. And run away from those voices. Come to me. Because I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Real life, true life, joy, all of it. Come to me. I am the one legitimate way that God has come to the people in the flesh. And he is the one who makes the way open for people to come to God. So, here's what we need to do. Because there is a response that we have to have here. On the one hand, we could say, okay, then I'm not going to listen to any voices. I'm only, I'm only going to listen to Joe because he knows what's right. And he'll just, nope, <laughs> that is not the application here. On the other hand, you don't say, well, we'll just listen to every voice because, hey, God could speak to us through any way. Nope. Here's, here's what it is. We have to listen for the voice of God because God can speak in some very unlikely places. Balaam learned that as he's a prophet of old and the donkey starts talking to him. Who would expect that God would talk to somebody through a donkey? But he did. God can speak to people through some very unlikely places. But so can the thief. And so what we need to do is listen. But we need to know the difference. How do we know the difference? This is how we know the difference. We read the word of God. What has God already said? And the more you know, do you know? It's, I've heard that um, when bankers train tellers to uh, spot counterfeit bills, that they don't train them to do that by sh- showing them all the various ways that people counterfeit bills because they're all the time coming up with new ways to counterfeit bills and you'd never be able to keep up. So what they do is they just have them handle lots and lots and lots and lots of real money. And so, the more they know the real thing, when a fake one slips in, they may not be able to tell you exactly what has been done differently on this one, but as soon as they get it, they go, hmm, something's not right here. The more we know the real voice of God, what God has really said, the way that he talks to his people, the way that he works with his people, the kinds of ways that he has come to his people, especially in Jesus, the more we know and know and know his voice the more we will recognize it when we hear it from any source. And the more we will also recognize when something's not right. When we hear a voice that doesn't say what God is saying. This is what Paul was saying to Timothy. What we read earlier. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. That is the standard. That is what we go back to over and over again. That's one of the reasons why we're here this morning. That's one of the reasons why that's what we teach. That's what we preach. On Sunday mornings, we're talking about the Bible. In Sunday school, we're talking about the Bible. We want to know what God has said. We want to know it well, so we will recognize his voice. But it's not only something that we do together. It's something we need to be doing on our own that we are reading and reading and reading, that we are constantly being bathed in his word, that we would know his voice, that we would recognize when he calls us by name, 
and that we would follow in complete trust of the one who knows us best. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.